Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whenever you're listening to this podcast o'clock. Thank you for tuning in to DevOpsana, Efficode's podcast about all things DevOps and automation. We're sitting in the sauna lounge with Dila and Thomas Lampi Lampi, one of our DevOps leads, and we're about to talk about um, metrics, feedback loops, and how numbers can make us better. Um, so to start off the podcast, I want to talk about one of the new objects in my life, which is the Aura Ring. I got it last month, and it's this Finnish invention that tracks how you sleep. It's like a pretty little wearable. You wear it on your finger, and it tracks how much REM and deep sleep you're getting per night based on your body temperature and heart rate, I think. Um, lots of the people in FCO's Helsinki office have the Aura Ring. Surprise, surprise. It turns out we're the target audience for that thing. Like in my case, um, it's more about me getting one step closer to Idris Elba because uh, Prince Harry owns an Aura Ring and Idris DJed at his wedding. So we all have our reasons for doing these things. But I thought um, it did make me think about metrics because I'm not the best sleeper and seeing how exactly I'm sleeping has been really helpful because sometimes it's not only about quantity like sometimes I've slept six hours but it's been like a super efficient six hours so I've gotten like an amazing quality of sleep and sometimes I've slept 11 hours and it's been kind of neither here nor there Um, and that's helped me feel a lot calmer about my sleep and also see how my sleep is trending in the week like my readiness is up on a Monday and then it's down by Thursday and that kind of repeats itself Um, and there's something about how concrete those numbers are that have helped me in my life relates to what we're talking about today because metrics are a really huge trend in DevOps and they really do up your game they really do make you better I'm by no means the expert which is why I'm very glad to be interviewing Tuomas today hi Tuomas well hi there Heidi how are you doing today I'm doing okay I've got my aura ring to help me sleep and now I've got you to help (laughs) explain uh, metrics to me and our wonderful listeners so my name's Heidi Aho I host this podcast I'm the content writer at Efficode and the more important introduction for us today is Tuomas Lampi Lampi our guest so Thomas, tell us about yourself. Well, it's nice. You took me to my childhood just now because people used to call me Lempi Lampi, which is like uh, Lempi is like the kind of love and whatever. Yeah. But actually it's Lepi Lampi. Oh my goodness, I got your name wrong. I was just like, but like just now I was like, yes, you do have a really cool last name. It's like favorite lake or something. And then I'm like, I made that up. I mean, could you, could you just change your name to Lempy Lumpy? I'll be, I'll be thinking about it. Lempy Lumpy, Lempy Lumpy, they'll work. (laughs) A couple days into your next electronics festival, if you could just call your lawyer and change your last name, then that would make my work a lot easier. (laughs) It's interesting that you talk about uh, uh, but your uh, aura, aura ring. Oh, aura! Is it aura yeah. or aura? Aura, I think it is. Aura. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, th- those are the little kind of uh, metricsy things in your everyday life that that uh, give you the possibility to um, to push for actions. So metrics is not just about collecting data; it's about turning them into actions, and that's what you know. My professional life life has always been about taking information, mm. taking ideas from customers, ideas that they didn't really know that they had in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, but actually talking with them long enough to understand what they really need and turning those ideas into actions. 
So it's really about the same thing, you know. I, I'm thinking about DevOps. I'm thinking about software development in, in general. It's all about having good ideas and turning them quickly into something that's, you know, that we can not necessarily measure but feel, and it's something tangible. Makes that idea more concrete. Exactly, and we get the them. feedback. I think DevOps is all about getting the feedback loop, loop shorter mm-hmm. from the ideation to production to actually getting yeah. getting it out there. So metrics is, I think, is a cornerstone in that area, and mm. I just don't think we're doing enough of it right now. In, in the Nordics, or just in general, in the, in the world? world, I um, the I world needs more metrics. Well, uh, the, the the world needs more actionable insights. It it needs more ideas and and eureka moments that actually help you act in your next question in your next decision in a fact-based manner and not yeah. just using your gut as, as wonderful yeah. as guts are um that leads into thought that i just had which is we've been speaking about the benefits of metrics like almost in theory mm-hmm. could you go into more detail as to why it's important for enterprise devops and enterprise devops it's one of those dirty words because it's like mm-hmm. a little businessy but I'm talking about DevOps on like a at scale, like sure. in a huge bank or something. How sure. can metrics be helpful there? Sure. Well, there's an example. Uh, a large company in Germany called Bosch. They have a kind of a well-known DevOps transformation uh, journey story. And this is like public knowledge. Yes. Spoke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can find it in 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 the internet quite easily. And I, th- I find it very interesting because they've they been very open about how they failed initially. So first they thought about, let's go towards agility and DevOps with the areas that are easily transformed. Mm-hmm. Meaning what were those? software, you know, software development and, and this kind of area. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not so easy to transform finance, HR, these kind of things. Yeah, because there's more like legacy systems. People are less tech savvy. There's yeah, a lot more yeah. barriers there. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects that are more difficult in those areas. So they decided they they did kind of like uh, split the company in two. These are the parts that we wanna, uh, you know, uh, turn agile, and these are the parts that we find too difficult to turn agile. So we'll just leave them out. For now, they'll be brittle forever. Yeah, and 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 essentially, they just failed. It it just in that time they failed, and uh, they're pretty open about it in this text that they've uh, they've published. And they they kind of took everything back and said, okay, so this was not the way to do it. So how do we do it? So what what they what they started to do is they started to push out waves waves of agile little teams and doing devops uh, ways of working and and they started to measure those teams and their productivity and velocity and quality and through those measurements and through those waves they realized which ways of working would work in different areas in different organizations and and that's how measurements and analytics helped pave their way towards this successful transformation after mm-hmm. the initial kind of a uh, blunder that they did with with this kind of um, uh, split 
organization that they tried first. So when you speak of waves, you mean like little tiny pilots almost. Yeah, like a bunch of projects, 20 here, 10 there. And they're driven by metrics, like these little balls of metric-y driven pilot-y projects. And you just throw them out there and people gobble them up and some of them stick. Yeah, some of the good good stuff sticks and they they get the information about how do they stick in different areas rather than trying to do a kind of a big bang in 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 a in a large part of the organization. Well, it sounds like a more agile way of doing it as opposed to planning out this major yeah. transformation of a huge department exactly. and just yeah. iterating these little um, MVPs. What I like about my job is that I get to interview customers as well for case studies. And uh, a couple months ago, I was interviewing this Danish uh, company. I can't say names, which is frustrating. Mm-hmm. However, I recognize the name. So it's like a recognizable brand. And they were saying that making objective decisions as opposed to subjective decisions was a journey that they were on. And suddenly, when they have these metrics, they bring to the table the ability to make fact-based decisions Mm -hmm. and that first they were functioning as a startup and kind of leading by the gut and like trying things out but the moment you have metrics that that really changed the way their leadership made decisions Mm -hmm. and i found that um kind of obviously encouraging because this is something that we care a lot about but also surprising Mm -hmm. that a name that i recognize are only at the beginning of this kind of fact-based decision-making journey um, which I thought was relevant there as we're talking about enterprise DevOps. Okay, what's the difference between metrics and spying on people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is um, this is a common one, uh, common kind of a not a misconception, but uh, but a, maybe a f- worry that mm-hmm. okay we'll increase data collection. And we'll use that data to maybe drive teams or something like that. And I think that's uh, that's a pro- that's the problematic area there. Do are we actually driving teams from the outset? Are we actually externally driving teams, yeah. or do we do we give the metrics and the tools regarding the metrics uh, as tools? Well, as as kind of methods for people to improve their own work. Rather than we, we the kind of uh, uh, manager from high above are saying, guys, you should do this rather than that yeah. to be more productive. I'd actually think about the audience for the metrics in a, in a, in a very um, detailed way. So if I talk about team velocity, how many story points, how many requirements are we churning uh, through in a, in a specific time frame? I don't think that's something that we should be looking above the team or at least, you know, in a, at least not in a program level. That's something that the teams should use as a method, as a tool for themselves to understand what worked and what didn't in their own, own kind of uh, progress as a, as, a, as a productive team. So spying on people is easy when you give the wrong metrics to the wrong people. Okay, so there should be this transparency. Everyone should have access to the metrics that are relevant to them. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting because I think there's a level of transparency that's needed, but I'm not sure if everybody needs to see everything. 
Um, it's 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 good that there's transparency to an extent, but like velocity, for an example, it's a hot potato, because for one team velocity is X, and another team velocity is Y. Could you give examples? So for an example, it's uh, for team A, they are estimating their requirements on a one three five scale, right? They could say small ones are one, middle ones are three, and the big ones are five, the huge ones are eight. And another team could estimate with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe in hours, so that, you know, two means two hours. Mm -hmm. So if you try and compare the velocity between those two teams, you will fail and you will get some people you know, not well, ir- irritated at least mm. because you're comparing apples and oranges. Yeah, because DevOps is like this conti- continuous process of improvement. Mm-hmm. So organizationally, but also individually, like if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So mm-hmm. you want to have the the tools you need to be getting better and to see mm. like, actually, I am doing that faster or that that yeah. process is smoother now or for uh, me personally or us as, as a team. Or uh, we're estimating things better now. Like we thought we were going to use 200 hours to do this and this thing. And we ended up always using 300 or 350. And, and suddenly, you know, the, the, the more you go on and then you get feedback from how well you estimated you realize that you're getting closer to that 200. When you're estimating 200, you're getting closer to them, uh, to that, and that's that's better for everyone because then you'll know at least, I mean, your own velocity, and that's that's plenty. That's enough. And that's actually an, uh, related relates to an aha moment I had recently. It was actually the same interview where he was saying. Um, this customer is saying that actually the main value almost isn't like the speed and the the quality that they've kind of achieved. It's it's the predictability. Mm-hmm. It's that they can line up this entire corporate apparatus of like marketing and sales, and they know that if they've lined it up, they've lined up the TV ads and everything, mm-hmm. that the product will be done on time, and that this predictability is so valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Also, he was talking about investors as well. Like you can send the right signals to investors, whereas sure. if you're not sure when the thing's gonna arrive, mm-hmm. then and that's a lot more chaotic and uh, difficult. Sure. Yeah, because you might lose a window of opportunity. And mm-hmm. if yeah. you think about the market these days, these windows of opportunities are really can be really tiny. Yeah. Uh, tiny so, little slits. Yeah. Like a little and little red then, light and if through. if you're if you're like, okay, I'm, we're gonna do this in two hundred hours or whatever, and and then in the end you realize, oh crap, we're we we're gonna need some more time, or then we're gonna need some more people. It usually doesn't really help to just push more chefs in the kitchen. So the predictability is, is um, very important, yeah. So we're using metrics to get the big picture. In order to get the big picture, you need to understand the nuance of it. That's why this idea of measuring teams against each other is a bad idea. Spying on people, also bad. Also, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Kale was talking at some... Uh, Kale Sirkasalo, mm-hmm. our platform director and a big fan of this podcast, um, was talking at a German conference uh, last week. And he said that companies can measure test coverage and automation, but they shouldn't collect metrics with a view to comparing two teams against each other. Mm. So I think that kind of rounds off our conversation about metrics and spying. Uh, Why not? 
Let's move on to this topic of continuous improvement, which we have touched upon. Mm -hmm. Is it possible without metrics? Yeah. I mean, we're collecting data at a, an, a really huge exponential rate these days. Data past, um, past oil as the most uh, valuable resource in the world a couple of years ago. How was that measured? Uh, the Economist measured it somehow. The Economists. I, yeah. I love well, it. Do they sit on a cloud in the sky? Yeah, they have this, uh, they have this magazine, The Economist. So. Oh, The Economist. Oh, sorry, sorry, The Economist. Sorry, I thought you said The Economists, like there was an S at the end. Sorry, words, words are tripping us up, but they're also yeah. providing us joy. This yes, is what exactly. they do. Thank you for bearing with me. Yes. No, so, I love The Economist. Fantastic yeah, so so they, yeah, so so that's a fact, and uh, it's also a fact that we're measuring only around just around one to two percent of all the data that we're, or I'm sorry, analyzing only one to two percent of the data that we're we're actually collecting. Mm -hmm. So so it's it's you know there's a lot of opportunity there. So mm -hmm. I would say continuous improvement without data, why? Well, it's probably easier because you don't need to deal with the data. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. that's probably stupid, but is that like that's the main thing? You don't have time. You're just doing your job, and you don't have time to do the data. I think I think so that's just... I think that's a part of why we have ninety eight percent of the of the data that we're coll collecting still not analyzed <laughs> because people just don't have their their they have a nice bike you know right next to them and they're pushing the bike without actually taking a moment to stop and hop on it and just start driving faster yeah pump the tires and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah learn the, ding yeah. the little bell um I don't know. I don't think like all of the data needs to be analyzed it's kind of like a library you're writing an essay you've got all these infinite books and you just have your question in mind and then you read the relevant ones to answer sure. it. So you need to, the goal is really important there as well. Like what do you need to know? Yeah, and that's, that's a good point because um, it brings me to, to a subject of what do we actually, where do we actually start from when we start analyzing data? Do we start from, oh, hey, we have this, all this nice data, we should be doing something with it. Or are we starting from we have this problem of not understanding from these 50 features that we have in our backlog, what should we do next? Now we mm -hmm. have some money. Which ones of these 50 features should we do next? Yeah. That's a real kind of a tangible problem which, yeah. for which data can provide a solution. And not just like, oh, we have a bunch of data, let's, let's start figuring out what to do with it. What if you've got a company that hasn't gone to grips with data yet and they know neither what metrics they should start pursuing first, mm -hmm. and nor do they know what questions they want answered. So mm -hmm. what's kind of like some of these starter kind of questions about metrics that are easy to grasp and kind of get benefits from? Sure. Um, well, for me, coming from a test management and uh, this kind of background, I've always seen bugs or defects as like little diamonds that you can, or, or nuggets of gold that you sift sift through from the, what if from the sand. What if it's like a pearl because like a, the, the sand makes a pearl, so a bug is like the pearl in the oyster? That could be. I, I, I think, the, well, the bug, I mean, is, is a diamond because if you find it, you found it before the customer. And, and, uh, and that's so important. So I think it's really important that we first think about bugs 
so that you know we have when we ship the product it's as bug free as possible and um, it's from the right places of course we cannot ever achieve 100% coverage in our testing mm -hmm. but at least we know as as Carla was talking about the coverage mm -hmm. coverage is super important that we cover the right places of the of the product yeah you know the nice yep. to haves you know we don't necessarily need i mean a lot of people shop uh, ship software these days in alpha or beta stage and um, they'll just wait for people the community to find those less important bugs while still mm -hmm. keeping them as a community as their community so it's a kind of a fine line but i think bugs and uh, uh, so-called bug escape rate bug escape rate is, is quite easy to to um, measure because it's a the relation of bugs you found internally in your testing cycles yeah. and the bugs that customer have found after you have released you just you just yeah. uh, uh, relate those into a percentage and see how you do as you go on with new releases and then you see if your if your process is getting better, your testing and, and coverage process is getting better, and um, and you're you're getting less bugs in, in production. I think that's something that's very um, a natural way to start. But I would have There's to say, uh, yeah, I have to say a lot of companies are still struggling with actually achieving this metric. Uh, why is it like is it just two numbers yeah or? but if you think about uh, so modern software for example it's built of many releases coming together as large set of components mm -hmm. and then yeah. when you ship that large set of components and and you have a bug somewhere how do you know which release actually you know, inserted that bug or which team, how do you know where that bug ori originated from? And what are some ways for companies to measure that successfully that you've seen or come across? If they have, um, if they have good processes in understanding how a requirement swims all the way to the product, uh, product release so that you have an audit trail, so to say, so you can say, okay, this uh, feature came from this, you know, release, and that would was tested by this team and these methods with this coverage, and that coverage was covering this requirement. So you can actually see the whole trace that. Yeah, a whole, trace all the way to the ideation. Yeah, I'm starting to understand why even a household name hasn't fully mastered this because it is like this huge project to get mm -hmm. your metrics right um which software development metric is easily deceiving well as we we're talking about velocity velocity is easily deceiving between uh, teams and organizations yep, yeah yeah that's one and um deceptive that one is deceptive yeah that's one deceptive and also if you if you're trying to figure out when are you going to be ready with your release yep and in the beginning you look at your release burn down or something like that Which release is? burn down is like in the beginning i had 50 requirements in the end i want like 50 requirements to develop in the end i need to have zero requirements to develop this will be my line, you know, from the 50 to the zero yep. in the timeline that I've defined for myself 
for the for the release yeah mm -hmm. so in the first week for an example it's let's say it's four weeks or four months uh, in the you know like if you have four months in the first month i did 10 requirements and then you you say okay i did 10 requirements i can see the line starting from here and i'm gonna be ready at this and this date because i did the first 10 in this and this time mm -hmm. so we assume linearity we assume that the line will continue as it started. Rarely is it a straight Rarely line. Rarely is a straight line. So this is why um, estimation, again, is really important, that you estimate things in the realistic way. And also when, that you understand the characteristics of your release process. Maybe you do the easy ones first. You kind of do the low-hanging fruit first mm -hmm. and in, then in the end you tackle the hard ones uh, that you have to do and then in, in the very end you tackle the hard ones that are kind of nice to have so that if you have to drop them that's fine but then but it can be very deceiving in the beginning if you assume linearity and their specific curve i'm guessing it'll vary per team and per project and per yeah. company even <clears throat> yeah why should companies invest in a reporting business intelligent platforms when the software development management tools have metrics and reports available already? Yeah, this is a, this is a question that I get a lot when we start a project at a customer and then they say, oh, well, Jira, you know, provides us these and these kind of reports. Mm -hmm. And oh, from Jenkins, I get these and these reports. And from ServiceNow and customer, like production side, oh, they have noise metrics. Mm -hmm. Yes, all of these management tools have mm -hmm. nice metrics by themselves. Yeah. But when you collate, when you actually pull information together into a one place uh, or one portal, it can give you insights that you didn't see before. And also what you can do, which is I think one of the key things in analytics, is you can balance your metrics. A good example for an example is the productivity. You can push for productivity. You can say, oh, we need to do 50 requirements a month at least. And, and we want to rise up to 100 requirements. Mm -hmm. Okay, time goes by, you're at 50, you're at 100, great. Yay. What else happened? Did we actually push the amount of customer bugs up at the same time as we were speeding ahead? Probably. Trying to do a really productive activity. So, That's how good your test automation is. Yeah, and, and it's also like uh, the whole process. I mean, test automation, pipelines, anything. But... If you get your customer bugs in ServiceNow, for an example, and, and your internal information in Jira, you can then, in a metrics portal or, or similar kind of a dashboard, you can put those side by side and say, while our trend of productivity went higher, our trend of customer bugs also rose. So yeah. you, you want to balance these things. Predictability, productivity, quality, all these things, effectiveness. Yeah, the happy medium. And then you can see that big picture through a platform. Yeah, it's almost like this meta activity of like you're doing your job and then the metrics is like analyzing how you're doing your job, which is why it feels like you never have time for it because you're too busy doing your job. So if you have like 
a dashboard that makes it really easy and visual, mm-hmm. then actually you can be doing it constantly and it's a lot quicker and more helpful. Mm-hmm. True. And then you can jump into a meeting with your pad and and just you have everything there. You know, you can just uh, share that in the screen and say, okay, this is where we are. Rather yeah. than thinking about, okay, let's look at Jira, let's look at this, let's look at that. Yeah, you're not spending an hour creating some report for mm-hmm. a meeting that happens oh, four well, times a that, year. Yeah, like uh, the that's a big one. Um, we're moving from the act of reporting to the act of actually getting insights from data. Because the act of reporting was when we actually build these reports. But now if we have these automated systems, we have more time to actually even look at, to look at the data and think about what is the activity that I should do based on this data. So the energy that you were using in creating reports, you can now use in analyzing them, which is sure. the far more valuable activity because that's where you get the fuel for you to change your actions in a certain direction and to be steering your team or organization or just your own self, just steer yourself in a better direction. What would a consultant like you do in an analytics or metrics project at a customer? And what does success look like in that project? Great. Um, We go and actually interview loads of people. We interview what do they do right currently? What does good look like for them? What does trouble look like for them? How are they actually measuring if they succeeded? How are they measuring if they're in trouble? You know, what should be the uh, kind of a red alert, red flag for them at the moment? And and we we interview, we talk a lot, we try to understand every step of the way of their delivery life cycle. Mm-hmm. So it's not just test automation it's not just you know automated uh, automated deployments or or uh, releases or something like that but it's also requirements analysts it's also from the customer side like uh, customer feedback bugs in production we try to understand the whole nine yards of their of their product you know development and release and maintenance lifecycle. And what's the difference between that and a DevOps assessment or a DevOps development plan, which is also something we do? Yeah, DevOps assessment has a lot of the same, a lot of the similarities. So our DevOps assessment guru, Mikko Mattila, we've, uh, he was one of the kind of first guys I talked to when I started off at Evicode. And I realized that we are, our interviews, we actually happened to work uh, on the same customer when I started. And he was starting a DevOps assessment uh, there, and we kind of we calibrated each other so that we we wouldn't be asking the same questions okay. because they are very similar. And then about success uh, in yeah, so I start with the with the interviews yeah. and and I move on to create uh, something I call the metrics catalog. So it's more like a pizza ingredient list which has Mm. just loads of different metrics, like I was talking about uh, before, like velocities and bug escape rates and and these kind of things, test coverage, test coverages and whatever. Um, I just do a lot of definitions of metrics. I might do them in Excel so that I create some dummy data and I just create how would it look like. It would have these kind of bars and uh, or it could, these kind of yeah. a, these kind of a gauge and and uh, it would be meant for this kind of business activity. We would be try, trying to drive 
this kind of uh, success yeah. and these kind of th people would be uh, using it. And then I go back to those people and say, based on the discussions we had with you, I, m I made some examples of what your metrics dashboards could look like. And, and once they are reviewing and we're having this open discussion, we're already starting to look at the data. What does it allow us to do? And then we see the gaps. Okay, so mm -hmm. for this nice metric here, uh, we are missing a crucial piece of information which you are not yet collecting. You might think about changing your process to collect this data as well. And then you might you help get, them do that. Yeah, as yeah, a as a process yeah. change. Yeah. And that's again where we touch with the, the DevOps assessment. Yeah, they because it's more about uh, yeah, process changes. Picked up and, on that and, as well. Uh, so, uh, and, and a successful outcome would then be a dashboard uh, or set of dashboards that are useful for them immediately, uh, kind of out of the door, but also a platform and a data set that they understand. How was this data calculated? Why was it calculated like this? And what can you do going forwards when you want to develop it and just kind of take it apart and, and put it back up again as a better one? Uh, they, need, they need to understand why we did it the way we did it in the first place and how it's calculated and all that. So that's as important as the dashboards is the understanding for the customers that how it's actually built from the ground up. So you're teaching them how to fish for numbers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they and can keep. Yeah, they can keep developing uh, yeah. in their own right. In yeah. their metrics, right? Yeah, that's true. Thanks, Tuomas. I think we're Thank done you, with Heidi. the official uh, section of our interview. I was curious to talk to you about Robocon. Robocon? Yeah. Am I pronouncing that yeah, right? Robocon. Robocon. Yeah, Robocon. Yeah, Robocon. Ro Rabukan. I, I hear <laughs> me here as you are organizing it. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. From Ethicode side, I'm responsible for helping the organization of Robocon 2020, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm very January, excited. January, right? Or it is, yeah, in the beginning, yeah. of January, February, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a very exciting seminar, a couple of days in Biorex, and then we're gonna have some. Uh, some uh, kind of a cooperation workshopy things, a lot of pizza and and drinks uh, mm -hmm. afterwards. So so I really wish that people would come not only to not only to enjoy uh, what you can learn and, and experience in Robocon, but also to get to know Ethicode. Um, during that, and the wonderful people that Ethicode consists of. Yeah. Um, what is Robocon for people who don't know yet? It is a conference for robot framework test automation platform. Mm -hmm. So robot framework is interesting. It's, it was um, originally originally started to be uh, developed in in Nokia back in when I when I was in Nokia as well, in a very kind of a close because I come from a test management background, so I was following its its inception in a way mm -hmm. from afar. So I'm really happy to see how it's grown to be a kind of a internationally acclaimed. Uh, test automation platform with uh, yeah. you know this kind of a keyword keyword driven keyword driven uh, concept natural languagey Na natural languagey so you know people simple people like me can also understand you know where do do the automated tests kind of consist of uh, you know what do they consist of and and you know what do they actually do without having to jump through the hoops and loops of 
of uh, scripting. And it's also applicable for robotic process automation as well, RPA. Yes, for that's that very true. Reason. Yeah, you can do a lot of a lot of things with it actually. Um, yeah, if you're if your um, imagination will run wild, but but yeah, you should come and listen to to the smart people in Robocon 2020 to really understand where it, where it can lead you and your organization. I like, I like smart people and uh, too, I fun. want to learn more about robot frameworks. So maybe we should have like some kind of podcast there or I'll write something. And I know Dila took a really cool video, Dila sitting here recording us, uh, a really good video of cool. uh, Robocon to like capture the vibes. So yeah, I'm sure I might uh, we'll invite someone, invite someone fear in Eficod, a new friend, and uh, the person from my team who is really knowledgeable about that and really fun to talk with. So I might uh, invite him as well. Great. That sounds like fun and games. And I'm guessing yeah. there are tickets available for this Robocon. Robocon. Rob uh, I think there are tickets <laughs> available. I, I will, uh, yeah, let's provide the links and, and uh, information yeah. with this podcast. I know we yeah. tweeted about it. They're on Twitter, Robot, Robot Framework Network Twitter. Robot, sure. Just Google Robocon. Slack you will find well. it. Google, Google does all that for us. Yes, and more. Duamas, I think we are done here. This has been well, such a pleasure. I yes. know it's like quality over quantity, but can we just say that this is probably the longest podcast we've done to date? <laughs> so, and it hasn't felt like a long time. Like well, I feel like so it, the time has fl flown. The time has flown. The and time the, has flown. <laughs> and the words have morphed into other words. <laughs> and on that note, I think we should probably say goodbye for the day. Um, thank you for listening. We appreciate every single one of our listeners and please do give us feedback at podcast at .com. Just email us, give us your ideas for topics you want to do or um, any other tips, hints, tips, yeah. tricks. Uh, we know all our listeners are super bright. Yeah, and that would be very interesting to also hear about uh, if, if there's a wish for a deeper subject within metrics, analytics, reporting, these kind of areas. Uh, it would be very interesting to hear what what would float your boat as a future subject. Yeah, definitely. I think um, for a second season, if we could have you on again, because you were so very, very uh, <clears throat> quantiful and <laughs> qualitative full in your uh, words and podcasting, uh, then that would be great. Um, I'm ceasing to be able to string a sentence together. So Let's say farewell for the day and have an amazing day or evening or night. Bye. Thanks. Bye.